Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast, episode five. We're going to talk about urinary tract infections and all the tangential sex things that come from unscripted conversations with yours truly, Lindsay Doe. I'm a doctor of human sexuality and clinical sexologist. Today, that means that my like-minded friends usually have sexual curious brains like myself. Fact, when I was in middle school, one of my friends and I would take turns telling each other stories about our crushes. In other words, we would make up fantasies to turn each other on. Ah, puberty. My current curiosity, (laughs) how often do my friends talk with each other about sex? And today's guest, Rochelle, is a friend of mine. How often do you talk with your other friends about sex? My friends, other than you. Yes. Okay, so if it's not you, it's pretty close to every time I talk to them. But if it's you, it's just about every time I talk to you. So the same. Yeah. And and How about you? Yeah. I mean, I am the constant. I talk to everyone about sex. All the time. When they want to. Mm. Mm. I'm trying to think of instances where I've seen you avoid talking about sex with anyone, and I can't think of any. And I was trying to think of instances where I do talk about sex with others. I don't know. It's it's it's. I don't think I think about it enough to have records. I mean, in fairness, we just went to lunch someplace. You ran into like a grad school friend. Oh yeah. And instantly you said what you did and somebody was like, oh yeah, I help with anorgasmia by doing this thing and like started, you know, listing off like proper physiology and um, just went straight to talking about vulvas, which I feel like is a pretty common experience I have with you. So, but it's not just me. You're not just having sexual conversations with me. You're having sexual conversations with other people. And maybe that's why we're friends. That's probably a a big reason. (laughs) Yeah. There are lots of reasons. So Rochelle and I have known each other for eight years. Something like that. Something like that. You took my human sexuality class. True. You were an awesome gauge for me in the audience because you were very attentive as a student, and so I could watch your face. And if you gave me this funny look, then I knew I wasn't being clear and I could change how I phrase things. And if you were smiling and laughing, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, and I just had a huge crush on you. So I think it was just a look of like, ah. <laughs> yeah. oh no. Why oh no? Oh yes. Unre- unrequited love? Uh, no, it just changed and is now friendship. Oh, okay. I still have a squish on you. Yeah, I have a squish on you. That's good. It's reciprocity. Yeah. All right. Um, any other things that we need to say to introduce you to the audience? Nope. Let's dive in. Okay, here we go. Um, Before we talk about urinary tract infections or UTIs, I want to first give a shout out to the Sexplanauts who fund Sexplanations podcast on patreon.com slash podcast. I was really nervous about doing a podcast, the logistics of it, like where we'd record and when, the extra resources it takes, and it means so much to me that there are already more than two dozen of you helping out with the show, like the show bosses, Laura Schuster, Donna Flint, and the Millers. Each week on Sexplanations Podcast, we do a multiple choice question in their honor. Dr. Doe is holding testes. She's holding testes. Urinary tract infections, or UTIs, are responsible for nearly 10 million doctor visits each year. 20% of biosex females will have one at some point in their lives, so that's one out of five. Only 20%? Yeah. That's One out of five? I mean... I thought it was like 80. Oh, no. Because I think my experience, I'm like, that must be the dominant experience. You know, because it's fine. Yeah. Sorry, keep the going. Autocentricity. Okay, so then 
for bio six males, the records, they only say rare. So there isn't even a number that's given in the research that I did. Not the research that I did, but the research that I read. So my question is, what causes 80 to 90% of the UTIs that one-fifth of biosex females get and a rare number of biosex males get? What causes 80 to 90% of them? A, Escherichia coli or E. coli, the bacteria you, you are probably aware of that's in feces. B, urinary catheters, which are tubes put into the urethra so you can urinate without using the restroom. No. C, dehydration, not having enough fluids. Or D, changes in hormones during the menstrual cycle. A, it's the poo. Yay! It's Ishira coli. Nice. (laughs) Was that fun? That was so much fun. Thanks, sexplanauts. Okay, so do you want to talk about your urinary tract infections? I could talk about mine as well. Yeah, but first can I say Sexplanauts is the coolest name for a membership, like, community of all time. Aw, thanks. I love that. The ones who don't fund our programs are called Sexplaneteers, and if you fund, then you're a Sexplanaut. Oh, man. They're the coolest. Yeah, they are. Go, you guys. Thanks. I love them. I love them, too. They're wonderful. So I invited you on here because we have talked about urinary tract infections before, your experiences with them, my experiences with them. And then four years ago on Sexplanation's YouTube channel, we did an episode about your UTIs uh, where I talk about the anatomy and physiology of what's going on. I would love to know your experiences, though. And then we can answer some questions from the audience. Okay. I'm trying to think about where to start with my... Do you remember UTI your experience. first UTI? Oh, man. I wish I could forget my first UTI. I um, wish there was only one and I didn't have to say first. Right? Yeah. Oh. I yeah, I had some learning to do about UTIs. So I'm trying to remember the order that it was in, but I think the first time I had a UTI, I didn't really know what was going on, but I remember waking up at like 3 a.m. Mm. and just violent vomiting, like cold sweats. Thought I had the flu or something. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know what was going on, but had to pee constantly. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would pee, and it would be like, it'd be like a drop. It'd be like peeing eye drops, like one <laughs> drop at a time. Like, like nothing was coming out, but it felt like my bladder was full. And I was pretty young. I'm making up an age here because I don't remember. I want to say like 17 or 18, Mm -hmm. maybe 18, 19, something like that. You were sexually active then. Yes. And um, had no idea what was going on. I also have like pretty severe health anxiety. So I assumed it was, you know, cancer Mm -hmm. or something. You know, I didn't know what Mm -hmm. it was, but I went to the most extreme and I'm sure I WebMD'd it, which... Almost never recommend doing because, uh, well, the answer is always cancer, right? Like, you're like, I have a cough today. And they're like, you definitely have cancer. But I think I ended up going in, you know, they really quickly figured out what it was. And so I, I think that that time it resolved pretty quickly. Because they gave you an antibiotic. An antibiotic. I think this is how it went down. And then I think the next time, though, I didn't connect the peeing frequency or mm-hmm. the body sensations to a urinary tract infection like I it took me 
repeated times to learn what that sensation felt like and uh. what was it a UTI. So I think the next time, uh, maybe I have it in reverse order. Either way, something similar happens where, except I don't have vomiting, I don't have fever. I just I'm like peeing every twenty minutes mm-hmm. or every hour, and it's like I have I'm not peeing anything. You're dripping every twenty minutes. I'm dripping. Yeah, it's like I'm <laughs> eye dropping every twenty minutes. But it feels like my bladder's full. It's very hard to pee. And I thought maybe I was just dehydrated. And the way that I was coping with emotional and physical stress at that point was to lean into it and, and go harder. So I decided, you know what would really be like cleansing for my body is to go on this like two-hour long hike up a mountain without a water bottle. And so I remember going on this hike thinking like, oh, sweat it out. I don't know. There's like this – this is like the equivalent of bloodletting, right? Like there's no Mm -hmm. science base to this. It was just like, oh, this seems like a good idea. And so I remember having these peeing symptoms and I was like, I'm going to go for a hike. I'll sweat out this whatever's going on. I think that was one of the least intelligent decisions I've ever made in my (laughs) life. Uh, And so I go on this hike and um, slowly I'm feeling like this backache – this like kind of weird cramp in my back and I lift weights. So I was like, oh, maybe I did some weird deadlift wrong or maybe it was something from lifting weights and I keep not connecting all of the symptoms. And basically what happened is I, I had a UTI, but it escalated from a UTI into a kidney infection within like 24 hours because I was dehydrated um, and it just sucked straight up from my urethra into my kidneys. Mm-hmm. So I get done with this hike I go to the bathroom and my eyedropper of pee now has a few drops of blood in it. And I I remember being like, that's pretty strange, but you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's like, like maybe, you know, I've had strange things happen before. Like you have sex and um, maybe there's a few drops of blood. It wasn't a lot of blood. Like maybe I was spotting, mm-hmm. you know, like I really don't know. Right. So I continue to not go to the doctor, not do anything about it. And um then that second night, I got the vomiting and chills and then, like, couldn't move. Like, the the pain yeah, in my kidneys say. became just ferocious. And so then I ended up going to the doctor and they had to see how far it had progressed before I got medical care. And in order to do that, um, they had to fill my body with – this is where I'm going to go super non-scientific because okay. I really don't know what I'm talking about. But – I had to have a like a CT scan mm-hmm. and they wanted to see from the top down and from the bottom up mm-hmm. where the infection began and ended. Gotcha. So I had to both drink this liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so sorry to the medical community for not knowing what this is called or what I'm talking about. But I had to drink this liquid that shows up on the imaging. Mm-hmm. Imi- imaging. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, they also had to give me an enema of this liquid. So that was interesting. And I still don't totally understand how the two are connected. But Me neither. That, that's what they had to do. But the, the most memorable part of that for me was that, you know, we live in a small town. And my family's been here for a long time. And so basically, they, you, you know, you drink this liquid. You lay on the table. They give me an enema of this other liquid. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting with my butt up and exposed on the table with like a tube of this liquid going into my butt and the doctor with the clipboard comes in and he goes, oh, I 
I know your family. I used to like read from them. How's your dad doing? And he's like having this conversation with me while I'm like, my kidneys are on fire and I can't move and I'm getting an enema. And we do the CT scan and then he's like, okay, you're all done. And I'm like, what do I do next? Like my body yeah. is full of liquid. Like, how do you stand? Like, what, what do you do? And he, so I just kind of looked at him with, I'm sure, panic. And he's like, yep, just uh, make your way to the restroom, which is like 40 feet away. <laughs> and so I had to like duck walk into the bathroom and he's like, say hi to your dad for me. And that was probably the most Aww. memorable part of that. But it took, um, you know, I ended up having a very long stint of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took months for it to fully resolve. And since then, I have changed a ton of habits around UTIs. And I have gotten, I had one other UTI after that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, I was in, it was like 20 minutes. I had the first eyedropper yeah. pee and I was like, doctor, sign me up. And it was like, <laughs> it was like a 40 minute experience before I got on antibiotics. Like I was like in there. I was not going to have that happen again. So. Oh, yeah. Rough. So if you pee blood, maybe get that checked out. Definitely or get that checked or out. Or if your kidneys hurt, like, you know, there's a different, now I also know how to check if it's like my back muscles versus my kidneys mm-hmm. because the, when they test you for kidney infection, they give your kidneys a little knock, you mm-hmm. know, like a knock on wood. And uh, now I know what the sensation is of like, oh, shit, this is my kidneys. It's not like my mm-hmm. back is sore from deadlifting. Very different feeling, but I didn't know it at the, the beginning. Yeah. I, I mean, what I'm taking away from your story is that going to a medical provider doesn't necessarily need to be because you're resolving some sort of issue or you have created a, a pain in your body that has to be removed via a professional. It could be that you're going there to learn something. The doc, you know, that the doctor is teaching you prevention for the future. I my very first UTI that I can remember at least. I was probably also in high school, probably also sexually active. I was visiting my uncle in Chicago with my dad and brother, and I remember us all being in this living room and I would just be going to the bathroom every five minutes and doing Mm. the same dripping thing and just feeling like, why is it? I don't understand. And and to me, I think if I were to describe past Lindsay's experiences with that, it's almost like being aroused and not knowing how to get that sensation to go away. And so I would go in and I would pee and nothing would come out, but I would have, you know, that burning yeah, it's yeah. like a urethrid almost like tingling Yeah, almost. yeah, yep. Yeah. So I am not sure how that one resolved. My guess is that my dad probably just was like, what's going on? <laughs> and sent me to the gynecologist. Because I did go to the gynecologist when I was 15, I think. He he dropped me off. And I um, from there, I think the next big one was maybe around 19, and I went to a walk-in clinic. And this was one of the most profound moments in terms of my sexology interest and, you know, being in a medical office, is that at that time, my roommate was really into naturopathy, her whole family was. And I, you know, was living in hippie Missoula from Midwest Ohio, and I it was like trying to eat meals without napkins and 
learn more about how to do body talk and Wait, whatnot. Because what I was about like, a like, like, I was like, all into the environment. And oh, like, okay. I was like, how does napkins? How does naturopathy connect to napkins? <laughs> we're gonna body <laughs> talk, and we're gonna, you know, heal ourselves through these natural means. Okay. So that's who I was at the time. And I went into this office probably at 19, and the provider says, you have a UTI. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take care of it with cranberry juice. Oh, God. And he looked at me and in in so much sincerity explained that, okay, you can do that, You right? You have control over your body, but I will see you back in here tomorrow, and you won't be walking into my office. You'll be crawling. And so instead of just taking that and feeling defeated, I pushed on him to say, is there a third option? You know, like if I don't want to take an antibiotic because the outcome of that is typically a yeast infection that I then have to take something else for, what can I do? And he just launched into very open communication about sex and explained I could take the antibiotic this time. But then a lot of my power comes around prevention. And he said, the reason why UTIs are often called the honeymoon disease is because during sex, body fluids will move around. And if you have E. coli from the anus go anywhere near the vagina, then it can often get into the urethral opening or the metus or meatus. And that's how you get the urinary tract infection. And, oh gosh, like to have a doctor be so forthcoming with sex and so intuitive to know that that was absolutely the cause of what was going on mm-hmm. felt, you know, that that was when I fell in love with the medical field and started to trust them in terms of the sexual knowledge that they could impart if they do it. I definitely tried the cranberry thing myself also. And? Uh, I think it prolonged my getting medical attention. Mm. So I think for, for my experience and other people might have a different one than me, but I think like I, the, the placebo effect of doing something, Mm -hmm. um, prevented me from getting medical care later on. Yeah. I understand. And, and people write to me and they say that the cranberry, typically cranberry capsules, because then you don't have all the sugar of the beverage that tries to balance out how tart cranberries are. But my response to that is like, oh, you're, you are not having a UTI like I'm having a UTI because when I have a UTI, it is – it's game on. Like it's as soon as that very first sensation to pee happens and a good urinary stream doesn't come out, then I, I am to the doctor, whatever the cost, whatever time of day because I don't mess around with that stuff. And I, and I think that's definitely also like – a privilege, right? Like, yes. I think the first—I don't know. I'm sure I've had more than three at this point, but you know, my first few times, I'm I'm like in college, and I didn't have you know proper medical care, mm-hmm. and I wanted to solve it on my own. So there's a combination of factors, and I think people I've heard from that use the cranberry technique or want to explore that is because they don't have the privilege of proper access yeah. to medical care. So I I don't think it's out of that they don't want the medical care, right? Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's just that they don't have the access to it. So yeah, I don't know what to say about that other than I wish everybody did, you yeah. know? Like, but it's definitely like at this point for me, it's a, it's, it is a privilege that whenever I have eyedropper pee, I'm like, okay, going to a doctor, like not 
messing around with the cranberry stuff. Like, I'm just going in. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is an element of access and privilege to that. But even in college when I didn't have the resources, when that second or third or fifth one came on, no, I don't think I've gotten that high. But the the when I recognized what was happening and I knew what I did, it didn't matter whether or not I could afford it. I had to because I had experienced conversation with the helping professional that reassured me this is the way that it could be done so that I didn't feel worse. Yeah, and I, you know, part of the reason I go into a medical provider now is because, oh, my God, it is so much more expensive for it to turn into a kidney infection right. because then you're in it for the CT scan and, like, I was on IVs and, like, all this other crazy stuff, mm-hmm. which, you know, got so much more expensive. And I think that, you know, for the walk-in clinic to get – I was like, I have a UTI. If you want to do a urinary sample, you can – but I need this type of medication in this amount because this is, you know, I'm like, I know what I need. I will pee in a cup and be out of here in 20 minutes. And the walk-in clinic charge is like, what, 150 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And then the, the cost of the prescription and that couple hundred dollars, while not insurmountable, you know, it was significant for me at the time, but much less significant than doing a CT scan and having yeah. a, a kidney infection. So, Okay. So... Let's do one more sponsorship plug here, and then we'll talk about prevention. This little segment is called the Main Squeeze. Main Squeeze, squeeze it good. Because we're squeezing our PC muscles, our pubococcygeus muscles, by doing kegels. Every time you make a silly noise, so you have free reign over this sponsorship ad, you, you just make a silly noise whenever you feel like it. I'm distracted by doing kegels now. You're just like already doing them. It's it's already happening. Once you say it, it's like whoever's listening is already doing them too. Like it's already happening. But okay, then you'll be stronger than the rest of us. So every time you make a silly noise during this plug um, from our sponsor, we are gonna start and stop urination, which is. We're not going to start and stop urination, but we're going to start and we're going to clench the muscles that start and stop urination called a kegel. Okay. Does that work? Kegel, kegel? Kegel, kegel? Yeah. Are you ready? Can you make the funny noises? I can if you want to read the post. Yep. Let's trade. Okay. Ready? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. AdamandEve.com is an online superstore for adult shoppers to buy dildos, <laughs> condoms, <laughs> lube, beep, sex swings. <laughs> uh, it's very hard to read. Kegel. <laughs> and, and not laugh at your jokes. Okay. Po- pocket pussies mm. and, and lingerie. <laughs> Their products are described in detail at AdamandEve.com. Beep, beep. Make sure that they're 100% silicone or or another high-quality material. Learn Mm -hmm. how to clean them. Here. Not the condoms, of course, though. And have them shipped discreetly using promo code SEXPOD. That's S-E-X-P-O-D. When you check out online, it gets you 50% off on an eligible item. Plus, free shipping anywhere in the U.S., or Canada. Yeah. Okay. That was good. Did you do any kegels on my notes? Or are you I, so distracted? There was like 
I think there was like a five second pause. I was just trying to read and <laughs> keggle. Read and keggle and hear the sound. <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of concentration for me too. I don't know that I got any keggles in, so I'll just do them for the rest of the Okay, chat. I'm going to wink at you, and whenever I wink, you have to keggle. Okay, that sounds awesome. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of fun because it's like you're controlling my vagina. All right, here we go. Uh, comment section of this explanations video on UTIs. Here we have Noxygenx malthusium. I've heard from a specialist that some people are more prone to UTIs due to blood type and body structure. Is this true? You're looking at me like I should know the answer to that. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I think just like a wild ass guess mm-hmm. is like if your perineum is closer to your vulva, that could somehow contribute to having more UTIs. Yeah, if you're if or, your, I mean, anus to your your anus is closer, is closer to your to your urethral opening. Sure. So if or you have yeah. if you have an anus, then a perineum, then a huge ball sack, then the length of a penis, then the urethral opening, there is a body structure there that makes more of a distance between the coli getting to the urethral opening. Whereas in a biosex female body, especially a tiny one, it would go anus, about an inch of perineum, then the vulva with the vaginal opening, and right above that would be the urethral opening. So much less space. Yeah, it's like the difference to an E. coli. It's like running a marathon for biosex male anatomy mm-hmm. versus like running around the block. It's just okay, yeah. Yeah, or something. It's just a lot shorter. It's just so much closer. And imagine if you're if you have a very maybe you have a very tiny perineum, right? And it's like you just walk out the front door. Well, what I think changes it from a five k to a run around the block is if you have an object of insertion like a penis, a finger, a toy, etc., that's taking the E. coli from the anus up to the. That's like taking an elevator. Exactly. That's not even. A 5K. Well. It's the escalator. Yeah. The 5K the analogy would be, is falling apart. <laughs> just the wiping. But if something is moving it to the metis, then yeah, that's, yeah. that's it's there. So, I do about blood type. I'm going to look it up real quick here. Okay. What are we, UTI blood type. Here we go. This is from a study. I'm finding it at the U.S. National Library of Medicine National Institutes of Health. And it says... ABO blood group, secretor state, and the susceptibility to reoccurring urinary tract infection in women. And it looks like they're calling it synergy. So women of blood groups B and AB who are non-secretors of blood group substances showed a significant relative risk of recurrent urinary tract infection compared with other types. Do you know what your blood type is? O positive. Mine too. So neither what? of us are B or A. A, B. We have the same but blood it looks type? like there's a correlation. We do. That's crazy. We could share someday. We need to. There you go. All right. So did we answer the question, blood type, body structure? Yes. Blood type and body type can increase a person's susceptibility. Lots of bots, right? It seems from your description that men don't get UTIs because of the distance the bacteria needs to travel. What about homosexual men? Could unprotected gay sex, as ill-advised as it is for so many reasons, lead to a male UTI, or do those simply not exist? Oh, what a brilliant question. Do you want to know? Do you have an answer? Do you want to know my answer? 
I'm just saying it's a great question. It is a great question. Yeah, I want to know your answer. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder if I've answered it before in a in a video. So what I imagine the person is asking is if they take their penis that has the metis right at the tip and they put it into an anus that's full of E. coli. That distance is so short. Right. Non-existence. They're like, that's it's there. In. It's right that's there. happening. Yes. Okay. But the difference between that and the metis of a biosex female is that typically during sex, a biosex male will ejaculate and oh. push that E. coli out. The same way that it's advised everyone pee after sex because you flush it out. They're more likely to automatically be doing that. That's amazing. That's so cool. Also, the length of the urethra in the penis is a much further distance to travel to get into more internal organs than it is for a biosex female. Yeah. That's so brilliant. you could like you could ejaculate, then you could pee, then you could pee again before it's really traveling all the way up versus a biosex female where it's right there. It's like a ticking time bomb. You got to pee real fast. Yeah, pee, everybody. Pee before and after sex. That's what the doctor says. Okay, Tenley Nadine, is there really no other way to get rid of a UTI besides antibiotics? I feel like we covered this. Yeah. Which is like, I'm sure there, I'm, yeah, I'm no. sure there are other ways to do it. Just my experience is like, I don't, I, I'd prefer not to risk it. Me neither. I I would say that if you are looking at cranberry as an option, one, call a medical provider and just have a conversation on the phone with them about your efforts to do so. And then go for cranberries or cranberry capsules versus the juice because the juice is so sugary. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, feeding infections. Anything else you want to suggest? Drink a lot of water yeah. either way. Yeah. I, I mean, water, if you're water, on water, antibiotics water, water. or not, that. that is a non-medical opinion, but <laughs> I'm sure doctors would, would back me up on it. Oh, yeah. Totally. Because you want to flush it out. Wolfgang Kenshin, does this mean a woman can pee without removing her tampon if she's having her period? You're looking at me with such a <laughs> smug smile like, do you want to explain the anatomy or do you want me to? Uh, I put this question in here because I think it's a valuable reminder that a lot of people believe they pee out of their vaginas or the biosex females pee out of their vaginas. Which makes sense, right? Like right. we're in a culture that does not encourage us to look at our vaginas all the time. So right. no shame if you think you pee out of your vagina. It's just not correct. Right. There are two different holes. One. I'm like, you explain this all the time. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm trying to find the language and, you know, the visuals, and you've got this. This is what you do all day, so do your thing. Yeah, two different holes. One is the vaginal opening where tampons can go to stop menstrual fluid from leaving the body. And the other is the metis or the urethra opening that goes to the urethra. So you can absolutely urinate with a tampon in. Is that what the person is asking? Yes. Does this mean a woman can pee without removing her tampon? Yay! Yeah. I think what's confusing when I, when I heard about these multiple holes happening in my body was mm -hmm. I was imagining them all being the same size. And I was like, oh, God, I'm missing this, like, Aww. whole extra hole. So in my head, if I could put some, like, visual descriptors, right, like, made us 
Hermetus, mm-hmm. um, and urethra is like size of a straw, maybe. Yeah, even littler, probably. Maybe smaller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then vaginal canal is expandable, but you know, at let's say at resting state, if you're just peeing and deciding to explore your vulva, a typically nickel? bigger than a s- straw, like. Yeah. Um, like a nickel. Sure. And expandable. Yeah. But that's typically where if you are inserting something into your vulva, that's where you are inserting things into. So if you can't find two holes that are the size of a nickel, it's because, you know, that urethra one and penis. One is much smaller. And there are other holes, too, that you might find to the right and left side of the metis are the openings to the Bartholin's gland and... Above the metis is something that might look like a hole, but it's not. It's a clitoris. Is this is that a new name for skeins? Yeah. Well, a skeins gland. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. The Anyways, clitoris is. I not. feel like we could talk about like anatomy all day, and I know you've covered it a million times. Watch the videos. Watch the videos. Okay. Sextra credit. Now you can practice at home. Dr. Doe gives you sextra credit. So every episode of Sexplanations podcast, we give a homework assignment for people to do on their own throughout the week. And then uh, we can all be having learning experiences outside of this one 45-minute session. Commit to a new hygienic behavior every day for this next week. And here are some examples. Maybe you want to add some, Rochelle. Wiping front to back, cleaning your asshole just outside with soap and water, then cleaning the hand you used with soap and water. Peeing before and after sex and masturbation, which we've talked about, drinking enough water. And then make sure to write all this down in your sex pod journal. Take photos of your homework and post them on Twitter. Tag Sexplanations because I'd love to see what you're accomplishing. Anything that you want to add? To that list are we going to talk about prevention yeah okay because this is this is probably the one that has impacted my sex life the most and it's a hygienic thing which is just i am so strict now about anything coming near my vulva mm-hmm. has to be cleaned with soap and water so toys fingers fingers especially fingers especially fingers penises whatever i said that plural like <laughs> all the penis like, like there's multiple uh there's not but what do you do about mouths um you know that's a great question i just let mouths be mouths mm-hmm. even though i am educated enough to know that there's still a risk with that mm-hmm. um i haven't had any personal problems with it and based on my current monogamous partnership and you know all the risk factors involved i just let a mouth be a mouth Um, But I still pee after any type of play. So, But my hygiene that I would add is like if anything is coming near genitals, make sure they're washed. Okay. So clean toys, clean hands, clean penises, (laughs) not clean mouths, but still peeing before and after sex or at least after sex. At least after, yeah. Wiping front to back. I make sure to change my underwear more frequently than I might shower. If I'm showering like every two days, if I'm like out in the woods or just not having a shower, I am still changing underwear. Type of underwear too. Yeah. This is something you got me on because really? the first, yeah. So the first time around that I had a UTI, you were like, you might want to consider like getting, you know, plain white cotton 
underwear. And I yeah. was like, oh, I'm going to look dumpy, <laughs> you know, like wearing these like white cotton granny panties. And I think you even bought me a pair of like Hanes granny panties. And I was like, oh, not doing this. But I was like, I need to look for something that maybe a little more <laughs> – a little more stylish mm-hmm. that would allow my vulva to breathe more so what i think another habit i had is i would work out and i'd get really sweaty let's just use the word swampy because mm-hmm. that feels like the yeah. best word to describe it um and i would typically wear you know workout pants but i wasn't wearing underwear because they're uncomfortable to you know mm-hmm. do squats in and then i'd go like run errands oh yeah 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 and you know i feel like that would just allow it just allows for a lot of mixing of things that I don't think I want. So now, A, I take a shower right after I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also change underwear. And I also wear typically cotton underwear if I'm doing any type of physical activity. And all those things have been really helpful. Or at least underwear that have – you know how there's two layers of fabric on the part that goes up against your vulva? Mm-hmm. Having the layer – that's closest to your body be white. So you could get all different sorts of colors and fabrics, but if you can get that one lining piece to be white cotton, Cotton. that's ideal. And yeah, like skinny jeans, they're, they're super fashionable, but like let shit breathe. Yep. Yeah. That, um, what else? I am really careful about the sex positions that I get into. Mm. So if there's a lot of fluid on my end, like my, my vagina is producing fluid or I'm adding lubricant to it, I want to make sure that my metis is higher up than my anus so that just gravitation isn't moving fluid the other way. So for example, if there's a lot of fluid, I'm not going to do a position where I'm on my stomach where that the fluid would go. Like doggy style or something yeah. where you're having, yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I noticed is, so I have sex with a person who has a penis and if he if we are face to face so either he's on top or I'm on top his ball sack is flapping up against my anus which means the front of his ball sack has all sorts of E. coli on it unless I've washed really well so if I then turn around and I get on my knees in a doggy style position then I am very cautious about his ball sack then coming up and flapping up against my meatus. It's like a mud flap. Yeah. That's all I'm imagining right now. I I don't know if I'm picturing my anatomy correctly, but in terms of positions, I'm very cautious about what parts of his body have gotten up against my anus, and then I don't want to, like, go and rub on those. So I will either wear underwear at the same time so that he can just go around – that centerpiece and the rest of my anatomy is protected or I will do positions I'll change the order of the positions so that I'm not putting my metis anywhere near a coli that's on his body yeah I will also say that if anything I'm playing with touches my anus it is like shut the show down it's got to be washed before we can resume play and I will say that that is not particularly sexy but I haven't had a UTI in like right a long time right so um i think that one's more challenging for my partners than it is for me because i'm like whoa 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 whoa! something touched my butt what was it how do i keep it away from the rest of my anatomy until it's cleaned or you know 
And sometimes if it can be, you know, rodeo style, right? Like if it's a pinky, it can be hands up the rest of the time or something, right? If we don't oh, want to yeah, stop yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah. For the most part, it's like that can't touch. We have to adjust our position or whatever we're doing mm-hmm. so that that no longer comes in contact with my vulva. That happened to me last night, actually. And the my rodeo? Partner just, no, my partner just knew, like, that his penis had hit my anus and... I didn't have to say anything. He just made his way to the bathroom. And then came back. And then came back. Oh, that's so nice. It is nice. But the cost of having a UTI is really high. And, you know, because I choose to use antibiotics to get rid of it, there is likely a yeast infection that follows it. And then resolving that is another cost. And, And it's painful. And so if I can mitigate that, I will be here when you get back, and I will probably be more wet because I'm so excited that you respected my body oh, and you yeah. care about my health. So hot. <laughs> yeah. One of um, my partners, after I got a UTI, apologized. Aww. And it was, like, the sweetest thing ever. They were aware. They were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I think I had a part to play in that, and I might not have been aware. And I was like, oh, you're, that's so sweet. That is really sweet. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, so one more question for you on this because I I wonder what your answer is. Going back to oral sex, if a person is licking your anus and then they want to come up back to your vulva, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I haven't encountered it. Okay. haven't encountered it, so don't really have thoughts. Analingus isn't really my jam, so. I think it's – so in the last video that I posted on Sexplanation's YouTube channel, it was the most upvoted question was how to eat ass. And I'm very curious how many people will say, okay, vulva, then ass, or ass, then damn, or ass, then wash mouth, then vulva. I mean, I – my kind of rule is like – you can end ass, but you can't start ass, right? <laughs> like you can't, like you can't go from ass to something else because of the E. coli risk. It, like mm-hmm. that's such a mental block for me, mm-hmm. right? Then I'm just like, oh, that's not. I don't care how much you wash or clean. That's a risk that I am not willing to take, and it grosses me out. So, for me, it's like you can end ass, but you can't. You can't start ass. So, or at least have a really clean ass if you're going to do that. When I was getting ready to talk to you, I did some research on what other things cause UTIs besides E. coli, and there is a huge list of behavioral things that contribute to really moving the E. coli from a fecal area to the metus, and I would encourage people to look that up. Right? Can you give me just a few examples of what you mean? Yeah, so like the urethral catheter is one of them. Mm. Or dehydration is another one. I put mm-hmm. those as multiple choice items. Those aren't – they're not causing – They can exacerbate. Yes. Yeah. Um, let me see what else is here. I'm looking at prevention.com, and it has sex, constipation, uncontrolled diabetes, holding it, so meaning not urinating when you need to urinate, dehydration, birth control – It says, if you switch your birth control, the resulting hormone shift could lead to a change in hormonal bacteria in your vagina, which could up the odds of a UTI. Mm. Feminine products, so dirty pads and tampons, and then kidney stones. The constipation one, I'm trying to, like, figure out what that connection is, but. 
You might be able to blame your poop or a lack thereof for your UTI. Being constipated makes it difficult to empty your bladder all the way, which means trapped bacteria can have lots of time to grow and cause infections, which is the same thing with the not peeing when you have to, the holding it, because you're keeping the urine in your body that um, Which is like a warm, dark haven for bacteria, right? Just like, interesting. Right. I didn't know. Mm. So what have you learned? Lots of things I've learned. I just learned about the correlation between constipation and UTIs. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that before. Fascinating question about biosex, gay, male Mm -hmm. sex. Mm -hmm. Is that sentence right? Sure. Okay. And urination after UTIs. That was really interesting. I'm sure I learned other things. They're not coming to mind. I am curious about how people are having oral sex, Mm. analingus and cunnilingus. We're totally always learning. I think that's wonderful. Anything that you want to add? One more trick. Oh, okay. Because this one, you always give me the doe eyes for, but I believe in this prevention method. Okay. Which is when you wipe from front to back, if you are a biosex female, I believe that my labia are long enough that they could potentially move from my vulva and touch my perineum. So... When I use the bathroom and I wipe from front to back, I also hold my vulva taut so that they stay in place. And I believe that's part of my prevention. I think that's part of why I haven't had a UTI. So you're saying that your labia are so long that if you were to just wipe, you would pull them into in toward your anus and then they would get E. coli on them for later so your tactic is that if you're down in that area you're going to pull your labia so they're taut so that when you wipe you're not wiping your labia into your anus not even not pulling labia which sounds difficult but like pulling upwards on my mons oh gotcha so that it just stays in place good one i'll add just in case people didn't just get this as obvious You also don't want to wipe front to back and then wipe front to back again and again and again because you're just taking your back and bringing it to the front. So you're going to wipe front to back and then either get a new thing of toilet paper or wipe front to middle, front to middle, front to back. Let's just stay safe and say new toilet paper if you start at the front again. New toilet paper. Okay. Or pee and shake. Right. Yeah. All right. I was like, what are you talking about? Okay. Yeah. Rochelle, thank you so much for coming to talk with me. It was awesome having you here. Thank you. That was really fun. We we know all about each other's urinary tract infections now. Uh, And so does everyone else. Woo! Woo! I also want to thank Cinema Studios for sound, Complexly for production, Count Boogie for the jingles, and all of you for listening. Next week, I sit down with Hank Green to talk about not masturbating. You can get updates on all of our episodes at patreon.com slash explanations podcast, buy our cool merch at dftba.com, suggest future co-hosts, and give feedback in the comments. And Cora and Paro, I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs>